Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Paul has a dilemma. In this letter to the Ephesians, he's developing the mission of the church. If I can just quote his words from right before where our text began this evening. This is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. He says uh, that, uh, or I'm sorry, verse 8, to me, Paul says, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone that what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It's not in a lot of church constitutions under mission that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. But maybe it should. This is the church's purpose. This is its exalted, God-given mission that we might be the agent of revelation to the world, letting the world know who its true King and Lord is. This, God, this Paul says, is what God has given to us to do and to be. But Paul looks at that exalted mission and he sees what's necessary, what's necessary for us faithfully to carry out that mission. And what he realizes is necessary is that we need to know, know to the very depths of our being, the unknowable love of God. Well, that's not quite right. He doesn't say the unknowable love of God, but he says the love that surpasses all knowledge. That if we are going to carry out this mission, we need to be able to, to grasp this love that's not unknowable, but that goes beyond mere knowing. It's not just something that you can read about on a page, but that it needs to go deeper than that. And so what does Paul do? Paul bows his knee before the Father and prays. See, this is what prayer does. Prayer looks at this gap between what is and what may be. And when we bow our knee before the Father, we bridge that gap. We don't bridge the gap. God bridges the gap. But he uses prayer, this gift of communion with him, as a way for us to lean into what is not yet, but what we can have this faith-filled imagine to, to see, to envision, and to lay that before him and say, Lord, we can't get to that place, but you can bring us there. And so Paul bows the knee before the Father, and what does he pray for? He, prayers, he prays for what the church needs in order to comprehend the incomprehensible love of God. If we are going to be able to, to grasp and to own for ourselves this love, how deep, how wide, how high, what do we need? What's on Paul's heart in this prayer? And that's the privileged place that we have to be this evening is to overhear that prayer, to eavesdrop on Paul as he bows his knee before the Father, as he's trying to, to bridge that gap and connect with what it is for us to know that unknowable, beyond all-knowing love of God. And there's three things in particular that I want to lift up for us out of this text this evening. And those three things are strength, companionship, strength, companionship, and finally, imagination. Those three things. 
So go ahead and pull out your worship folder or your Bible if you like. We're going to walk through Paul's prayer here in Ephesians chapter 3. First of all, what stands out to me are the potent vocables in Paul's prayer. What is he praying for in verse 16? That according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. It's almost redundant there. To be strengthened with power. And again in verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend. And it's almost like Paul, is this a prayer more about mission or about muscles, right? We need to have strength. But if we understand this kind of strength strictly in a worldly sort of way, we're going to misunderstand the nature of Paul's prayer. I mean, think, let's do a, a comparison and contrast in strength. Strength from a worldly perspective means that you yourself have the ability and the capacity. Strength, as we typically talk about it and think about it, means that you are self-sufficient, that you are capable within yourself to carry out a task, to do this thing. You have that strength. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. The strength that he has in view and that he's praying for, for the people of God, is not this kind of worldly strength, but it is a godly strength. And a godly strength touts not its own self-sufficiency, but instead its self-insufficiency. When we have the strength that God gives, then we have a Christ-sufficiency rather than a self-sufficiency. You with me? We want so often to lean onto our strength, and there's a, a telltale sign when you are doing that. I feel this all the time, and, and maybe you do too. It's those moments when you can feel yourself, as uh, Samwise Gamgee puts it in Lord of the Rings, like you are too little butter spread over too much bread, see? Those moments when you feel like you're, you're just worn out, tuckered out, and okay, this person needs one more thing, and if somebody else asks me for anything, I tell you what, I'm just going to explode. Those moments when it's like we're a, a car that doesn't have the oil, and we still keep pressing with the engine, choo, 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 choo. It's when we're serving with the strength in ourselves. What Paul is praying for here is not that you and I would be self-sufficient, just the opposite that we would recognize our self-insufficiency and instead avail ourselves of Christ's sufficiency, that all-sufficient power of God, which is made perfect in what? In weakness, in your weakness and in mine. And in that place of strength in weakness, you learn afresh the love of the Lord because you realize, Lord, I was not capable of that. That task you called me to, that experience I was enduring, I never would have thought that I could do it. And you were right. But instead, you found reserves that you never knew you had. This weekend, some of you know, I'm, I'm with some friends, some college buddies. And one of them has gone through a terrible divorce. His wife just walked away from the family. And he said that it has been a pain beyond anything he could have possibly imagined. He has fought tooth and nail to try and, and hold his marriage together. And I was asking him, you know, what, what's something that you've learned about the Lord and about yourself through all of this? And he said that I have a strength in God that I never knew was there. That I have a strength in God that I never knew was there. He recognized that in himself, he could not possibly endure this. And I don't mean to make light of it. It's not like he's just cruising right through, like, hey, it's a piece of cake. What's next? 
but it's helped him to realize that in that place of strength and weakness, he's learning the love of the Lord afresh. So as Paul is bowing his knee before the Father and praying that we might know the unknowable, the, the love of God that surpasses all knowledge, this is the first thing that we need, is that strength in weakness, God's strength. The second thing that we see in this prayer that we need in order to grasp this knowledge is companionship, the fellowship of the body of Christ. See, the strength, if you just understand that part of the prayer and what we need, it might seem to be an individual endeavor. So long as we have that strength, even that, that strength and weakness, and we are going to be able to do it. But Paul goes on from there. He doesn't stop with that, but he instead continues in his prayer. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth? This is a kind of communal comprehension of the compassion of God. It is not merely understood individually, but in fellowship, in companionship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And why is that? How is that so? I'll give you two ways. The first is in our shared stories. Our shared stories. See, this love of God is broad country, right? To experience and to know his forgiveness and his grace is a broad country. And so with one another, it's like we are sharing field notes from that experience of living in relationship with the Lord. We need to hear from one another how you have known his love in Christ, how you have been the beneficiary of his blessings. And in doing so, in sharing that with one another, then we're able to develop a, a deeper appreciation of all of this height and width and length and breadth. If all you know is your experience of his love, then you're going to be poor for it. We're not able to, to grasp all of it in ourselves. In fact, if God was to funnel all of his love into every single one of our human minds, it would just be... But instead, he has entrusted his love into the fullness of the body of Christ. And so there's those shared stories but not only that, but also the shared burdens. The shared burdens. Not only do we recount his love to one another, you experience his love through each other. As you, together as the body of Christ, bear those burdens on oneself same back, some of you are, are sitting beside friends and family, brothers and sisters in the, the body of Christ with whom you have been to war. Folks whom you know have prayed for you, have been there for you. Those two in the morning friends, those folks you know that come what may, when it hits the fan that you can call them and lean on them and, and rely on them. Again, not to go back to this group of buddies that I have here, but I'm just so keenly aware of it right now. And, and one of them, as I've shared before, his wife has been going through this cancer diagnosis. And it's been this, this incredibly difficult year. And he was just sharing with one another the blessing of us being able to share that burden with him. That it was too heavy, that if it were just him carrying that load himself, it would have crushed him. But because we're able to come alongside him and carry that load together, he's been able to withstand it and endure it. You've known that, see. That shared burden is another way that we have this communal comprehension 
of the compassion of our Lord. I mean, left to ourselves, we can no more grasp God's love than a Michigander can make sense of what the Rockies are like, right? Or those folks out in the mountain states can really understand what a great lake really looks like. We need to be able to hear these field notes from one another from this broad country of the love of the Lord so that together we can grasp even more this ungraspable, ungraspable grace of the Father. So as Paul is praying, he bows his knee and he prays for strength. He prays that we would know this love with all the saints. And then there's a third thing in what we call a doxology, kind of the appendage to the prayer in verse 20. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, or it'd be better translated, all that we ask or imagine, according to that power at work within us. As Paul is praying, he's prying open our eyelids that we would have a broader horizon of the love of the Lord. And for that, we need one another. For that, we need strength. And for that, we need a bigger imagination for how big God is. We need to be able to stand back in wonder and see him for who he is. That the, the one who has given his own son for us, how will he not also, also graciously give us all things, it says in Romans 8, for us to have that kind of imagination to see, God, you are bigger and larger and greater than all of my puny little machinations and, and imaginations. Help me to see as you see. See, this is part of my beef. This is, this is part of the problem with grown-ups. I mean, aren't grown-ups just the worst? Uh, well, I am a grown-up, or I'm at least working on it. But, you know, for kids, they have these kind of imaginations to be able to see and to wonder at what God has done and is doing. As grown-ups, we just get into a very practical kind of mindset, right? We're just focused on the day-to-day -day kind of stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like somebody has to make the, the menu. Somebody's gotta go and get the groceries. Somebody's gotta, gotta pay the bills. Those things are not unimportant. Don't misunderstand. But we also need that kind of faith of the child the imagination to be able to step back and look at God's grandeur. So I learned so much spiritually from my youngest daughter, Ellie. And the other day, we're down at the, the lakeside. And it was just one of these beautiful days. We're over there at the, the South Bluff, the place that we're technically not supposed to go to. Nobody's quite clear on this, but we all know secretly it's like the best beach around, but shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, so we're down there, and it's just a beautiful day, blue sky, and we're out there just standing before this immense big lake, as we call it, right? A great lake. It always seems like it's just kind of failing words, but Ellie is standing there on the water's edge, and just kind of looking at all of it, and she's like, Daddy, look at God's love. Look at God's love. And... That's helpful to me, actually. When we think of the height and width and length and breadth of the love of the Lord, I think sometimes we imagine that God's love is just like some puny little container. Like, okay, gosh, do we have anything left in here of God's love? We're about to run out. We need a little bit more here. But instead, to look out on this brilliant blue lake and to see this is just a, a little picture of what God's love is like, that our sin is just this little drop, this fleck in this giant, great, vast mercy of our Savior. 
for us to try and have these imaginations that if this God who so deeply and profoundly loves us and then looks at you and me and says, come and ask of me and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And we're like, God, I just don't know if you've got the time. It's like, child, I have all the time there is. As we kneel beside St. Paul, and let these words of Ephesians 3 be impressed upon our hearts. My prayer for you and for me is that we would pray bigger, that we would think larger, that we would not shrink God into being some minuscule, puny savior, but to recognize him as the God of all creation who stooped down into our world, who laid down his life and took it up again, and now who says to you and me, give me all you got. G.K. Chesterton once said, the world will never starve for want of wonders, but only for want of wonder. But only for want of wonder. So let us continue to bow the knee in wonder before our Father who has created and upheld all things and to lean into his love that is beyond all knowing. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.